Before we dig in today, I want to uh, give a special thanks to, to everyone who made last week's trip possible to Juarez. To those of you who went, who uh, woke up this morning, way to go. We got a bunch of us here, yeah. Um, thanks to you, thanks to those of you who sponsor kids at the home, and then thanks to everybody who uh, gives regularly, because a portion of every dollar that we give goes to projects like this one. Here's a project we were able to accomplish while we're down at the home. Let me frame the project with this picture here to begin with. There we go. Boom! Modern technology. Now, the children's home sits up on a hill that it used to be a garbage dump, and uh, so a woman just started caring for kids, and over time they were able to build a home. And then they have a church over time that they were able to build at the bottom of the hill. You don't see either one here. This is just to highlight the valley. So there's this valley that you need to get to if you want to go from the home to the church if you don't want to go down the street, which isn't a good idea for kids and, and, and actually grown-ups for a lot of reasons, okay? So what they had to make their way down, you see these tires. They, they make the best use of material, very ingenious people. There you see these tires being used as a retaining wall. They also had a, they used them for steps to go down. Well, imagine a toddler toddling their way down these stairs or a mom carrying a baby. Not a good situation, all right? So that was the steps. And then where you see this framework that later became a bridge, what they used for that section to cross was the roof of a bus. There used to be the roof of a bus that was being used. A lot of you have walked across it. That was being used to, for a little bridge right there. Well, after a lot of feet walking over that roof of that bus, it, it was starting to get pretty weak. And imagine a little foot going through that, right? So what we were able to do is we were able to give money for a project, and some of us even pretended to, to help out there mixing the concrete. But you can see now we were pouring some steps. This is just, I had to bail on Thursday, but this is how far we gotten as of Thursday. Bob was just telling me they put railings in there now. They completed the, the walkway all the way to the bridge. Here's a close-up of the bridge we were able to, to create. And then on this bridge now there's railings and everything. So you helped make that possible. And even beyond that, beyond this project, um, to give the kids the best week of their summer is something else that we were able to do, bringing them to the water park and having a fiesta and all kinds of things. So thanks to everyone who made that possible. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. Well, I've been traveling to Juarez um, for, it'll be 30 years coming up in uh, this next summer. And I was reflecting on that, and I was reflecting on the series that starts today. And I was thinking about how different my packing list is now than it was 30 years ago. How technology has changed my packing list. There was a day 30 years ago when you wanted to go on a plane, you actually had to bring a plane ticket, right? You needed one of those things, so you had to pack that. If you wanted to bring back pictures, you needed to pack a camera in something we call film, something that we used to use back in the day. Now, if you wanted to make video, you had to have one of these big VHS video cameras. We packed one of those bad boys back in, in the day and then all the, the film to go with that. To communicate, we'd bring several vans. To communicate from van to van, we tried all kinds of things. We landed on some walkie-talkies that usually brought up some interesting conversations that we probably shouldn't have been privy to. Um, to uh, communicate with everyone else, you know, all of our contacts and everything, we'd have to pack a contact list and phone cards. Remember phone cards? 
phone cards. For directions, we had to pack maps to wake us up in the morning. We had to pack alarm clocks to get away in, around in the dark. You need to pack a flashlight to coordinate schedules and plan next year's trip. We needed calendars to take notes and make lists. We needed pens and paper to dig into the scriptures. We needed a Bible. If you wanted to read a book while you were down there, like on the plane ride, you actually had to pack a book, you know? And if you wanted music, we had these amazing devices called cassette players. And you'd pack a cassette player and cassettes and batteries. Today, if you trusted technology enough, you could replace all of those things with, hold it up, Jim. <laughs> he knows where I'm going. You could replace everything I just said there with a smartphone. Instead of packing all those things, you could just pack a smartphone. And there are very few people who want to go back to the time before smartphones, of typewriters and correction tape. Remember those? Card catalogs. Oh, card catalogs, encyclopedias, phone books. We get the phone book. They drop it off at our house. I'm like, what do you do with this anymore? You know, right? To, of dial-up and disk drive to the days when you could only take your phone as far as the cord can reach. Remember those days trying to have a private conversation, you know? Stretching the cord, slamming doors behind you. Oh, very few people want to go back to the days when TVs were as deep as they were wide, to the days when CD players would skip. Remember that? You'd have your CD player and you hit a bump, right? Some of these people look at me like, what? Very few people want to go back to the days before iPods and iPhones and iPads, to the days before Google and Amazon and Facebook. Very few people want to go back to the days when the only thing in a cloud was the promise of rain. <laughs> but at the same time, how many of you have some deep concerns about this new age that we're in? I'm beginning to think that Wi-Fi and smartphones and tablets and cable TV and computers and video games, they should have those warnings like the ones for medicine on TV. You ever seen those commercials? 15 seconds of our product is great and it'll do all these things to you for the next, you know, 25 seconds, right, of the commercial. For the next five weeks, here's what I want to do. I'm not going to just rip on technology. What I'd rather have us do is just let's hit pause and let's just reflect on how we're using it. Let's reflect on, on how we're consuming. Let's reflect on how we're utilizing these amazing devices and all these amazing opportunities. Here's the... Here's the, um, the question that's going to frame our series. It's called Unplugged, but the, the goal is not for us to say we're going to all go back to the dark ages or something like that. Here's the question that's going to frame this series, and there's a place to write it in your notes. How do we maximize modern media's potential while avoiding the pitfalls? That's the question we want to wrestle with in this series that starts today. How do we maximize its potential? How do we avoid its pitfalls? Today's gadgets are filled with potential. You and I have access to unprecedented tools that can help us save time, to connect in new ways, to live healthier lives, and to entertain us. We've got access to tools that can help us save money and become more efficient and productive, tools that can record and send and receive information like never before. These tools, they can help us learn, they can help us grow, they can help us stand against injustice. Think how many times we've seen that lately. They can, they can level many playing fields in business. They can even use to deepen and strengthen our relationship with God. However, there are thousands of 
very wise people who are raising thousands of very valid concerns about this new digital age that we're in, about modern media's dark side. And I'd encourage you to write this down too. It's related to that first question. Wise people approach modern media as both a tool and a trap. Wise people, when they see all these new technologies and all these new possibilities, they say, okay, this can be a tool, but it could also be a trap. And I surrounded myself with traps. You might be able to see, not see it from where you're sitting, but I surrounded myself with mouse traps here right now. And actually, it's kind of got me a little nervous. I survived the 9 o'clock service with all 10 fingers. And we had a couple close calls. But, 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 but we want to illustrate this, especially with the kids here. We've got these traps. We've got these mouse traps. Now, a trap serves a purpose. It can be a tool. You know, we've got four of these mouse traps in our garage. They work well. All right? They work well. Um, what happens is you put a little bait on this thing right there, and the, and the thing that wants the bait comes in and snap, right? So it's a tool, but it can also be a trap. You know, it, it can be dangerous. You put your hand in the wrong place the wrong time, and, uh, and it, it can be problematic to say the least. Now, the way many trick traps work is that you put something attractive on the trap, and the thing that wants that thing comes a little too close and snap. Well, two weeks ago, if you were here, we talked about how technology can be like that, how technology can literally put attractive pixels in front of your face. I'm talking in code now with the kids here. They can put inappropriate things that can bait you to look at people in a way that Jesus says is sin. It's not good for you. And that type of media used to be something that people had to go looking for. Today, it comes looking for you. Snap. There was a day when our mistakes were rarely witnessed by a large group of people. Today, you can make one stupid decision and take a foolish picture of yourself, or someone else can make a stupid, painful decision, take a picture of you, and instead of that one decision only being witnessed by a couple people that is only in their memory, now it's out there on the World Wide Web for the whole wide world to see. Snap. There was a time when families had maybe one or two TVs. Now, TV's never been a great thing for bringing families together, but at least there was a day when if families were watching TV, it was same room, same program. Today, you go to most houses, if the family's even there together, it's different content, different when you think how little time we get together, if you have a family, is that how you want to spend it? The tech isn't just changing families, it's also changing friendship. The good news is we can be more connected to more people in more ways than ever before. But there are thousands of very wise people who are raising red flags and they're saying we are unlearning how to do relationships well. We're unlearning how to do friendship well. I have a book on my shelf that I'm going to be reading throughout this series. It's called Together Alone. Doesn't that describe us all too well? All right, let's talk about finances. I remember a time when money was tight. Anyone else remember those days? <laughs> like yesterday? <laughs> Seems like only yesterday, literally. Well, there was a day when finances were tight because just keeping up with the basics was hard. 
Basics was hard. 30 years ago, it was hard to keep up with the basics. Food, clothing, housing, transportation, savings, education, giving, buying gifts for others, hobbies, uh, activities, vacations. If you just wanted to cover the basics, it was hard because you had to stretch every dollar to make that work. Today, there's new basics on top of the old basics. We have new basics that weren't even in existence 30 years ago. Cable TV, Wi-Fi, all these things, gaming systems, mobile phones, tablets, apps, upgrades, service fees, computers, gadget after gadget, update after update, all of which are outdated as soon as they come out. And it's not just gadgets that catch us in their grip financially. Marketing has never been better at targeting us with products that we didn't even know we needed at prices that we just can't pass up if we act now. Click, snap, right? When it comes to modern media, it seems like for every pro, there's another con. For every light, there's a, a dark side. Media has never been more portable. You can make access just about anything, about anywhere. Is anyone else concerned not only about the lack of silence, but when you see people constantly with headphones, constantly with something in front of them, do you ever stop to think what that constant indoctrination by Hollywood and Madison Avenue could be doing to someone over the course of a lifetime? Today's media makes it possible to stay in touch with people all around the world, not just your friends, but you can access tweets from people you'll never even meet. Is anyone else noticing how connected we are with the people we aren't with at the expense of the people that we are with? Cameras are everywhere. I mentioned that earlier. In addition to it being very easy for a person to have a permanent record of one really bad decision, with, with us capturing more things on film than everyone before, than every time before, is anyone else concerned about the decrease in privacy? Video games, movies, they're more engaging than ever before. Is anyone else concerned about the massive number of hours that we're devoting to those things? Today, we can hyper-individualize our media content. Is anyone else noticing that our, our society is becoming more tribal? It's becoming more polarized. And people are actually becoming less tolerant of people who aren't tolerant of the things that you're tolerant of. Anyone else noticing that? <laughs> I don't think I could say it again. <laughs> is anyone else concerned? But it got out that time, I think, right? Is anyone else concerned about what's happening to our attention spans? What? Did you say something? Anyone else concerned that when you're driving down the highway at 60 miles an hour, there's someone else coming at you in 60 miles an hour. The only thing separating you is a yellow line. Anyone else concerned that someone might just pick up a text while they're flying down the road at you? Anyone else concerned about studies that are raising red flags about the effects that modern tech is having on our physical health, on our sleep patterns, on everything from aggression to depression, from hearing loss to cancer? Today's electronics have closed the gap from potential addict to new sources of addiction, from predator to prey, deeper debt is one click away, stranger danger is one click away, a mistake you regret for a lifetime is just one click away. Anyone else think that modern media has a little of this factor to it? I think it does. Tool and a trap. Well, here's what concerns me the most. And if you've been waiting for us to get into the scriptures, here we go. 
If you have your Bible, let's open up to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 2. If you don't have a Bible at home, we'd love to give you one free today. In the course of this series, we'll teach you how to get online Bibles. Some, they've got some great free tools out there. But if you'd like a hardcover copy, we keep a stack at the table there. And they're, they're there for you to not just use for the service, but to have as a gift. So we'd love to give you one of those. All right. Uh, here's what we're going to look at. Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 2. Uh, or 11 through 12, and what we're going to look at right here is we're going to go back in time to a day when God's power was at work in a way that most of us have never seen with our own eyes. God's power was, was at work in a, in a powerful way, and what we're reading here is how God was working through a man named Paul. So Acts chapter 19, verses 11 through 12, it says this, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and evil spirits left them. Can you imagine that? Now, we've, once in a while, we have something like that happen even in this room. But imagine if you were seeing that. Imagine that. You're, you're right there as God is working so powerfully through this guy named Paul that just stuff that he touches, you bring it to someone else and they get healed easy would that be? How cool would that be? Well, the Bible lists the names of people, real people like you and me, who saw this firsthand. Here's, the, here's two of them. Here's an example of that. This is from Colossians chapter 4, verse 14. This um, man, Paul, who God was doing these miracles through, he wrote this letter to these people in this city, and he lists a couple of people who were there with him. Our dear friend Luke, he says, the doctor and Demas send greetings. This isn't the only place these two showed up. Evidently, they spent some time with Paul. Here's another example. This is from the book of uh, Philemon. Now, Philemon's only one chapter long, so it's uh, verses 22 and, or 23 and 24. And who are the last two names in this list? It's Demas and Luke. I do that because I can't pronounce some of those other names on there. So there we go, full disclosure. And what does he call Demas and Luke? He calls them... My fellow workers. So these guys weren't just there when it was happening. They were also involved in it. Maybe they were one of the ones who carried these things off. Luke the physician, man, I got, this works really well. It's, let's just take these, these handkerchiefs and, and, and it touches Paul. The power of God touches these lives. So they got a chance to see this. Now, Luke, we know, finished well. He finished well. This wasn't just for a season. He finished well. Why do we know he finished well? Because he wrote two books of the Bible, Luke and Acts, which you read from earlier. Luke finished well. He went on to utilize the media of his day to pass along these accounts, things that he, that, that he had heard about, that this Jesus of Nazareth had done, and then also these things that he had actually seen some of them himself. All right, so Luke finished well. What about Demas? What, what great things did God do through him? He got to see many of the same things that Luke saw. So what, what did he do? Did he bring the good news deeper into Europe or Asia or Africa? Did he start a church and, and serve as a key volunteer? Did he devote his remaining years to caring for widows and orphans? Did he lay down his life for, for his faith like Paul did? Well, Paul gives us a little bit of insight into what happened with Demas. We find it in what is considered Paul's last letter. It's 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. Paul's now in prison. He knows his end is near. He writes his last letter to this young disciple of his, Timothy, and he writes this. He includes this in his last letter. Do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas 
because he loved the world, has deserted me. Consider the significance of that verse. If Demas could be enticed away, a man who had a front row seat while the Bible was being written, if Demas could be pulled in by the pull of this world in an age before Apple, in an age before Xbox, in an age before Samsung and Instagram and selfies, if Demas ended up conforming to the world around him without any of those pressures to conform, is it possible that you or I could get to the end of our life, we stand before God, and he says, you love the world, you deserted me. Please write this down. We, we face, in this age that we live in, we face qualitatively different traps than Demas did. And you can cross off Demas. You can just put, than anyone else in history ever has. Now, I'm not saying it's harder for us. I'm not going to throw Demas under the bus because he faced pressure from this emperor named Nero. And someday we can go down that path. That's some real pressure there. I'm not saying it was harder. My point is it's different. It is different for us now. We face different traps than anyone else in history has faced. And for us to be highly aware of that would be so, so wise. The thought that came to me after I'd already written all this down was, parents, you know, if, if one of these was sitting out in the open in your house, would you tell your kids about this? Would you warn them about it? Would you say, here's what happens if you put your finger on that red thing, right? You would do that, you know? And if you were a, a, a person in this, so you don't have any kids, and you don't have any, if you had these all around your house, you'd be careful where you step and where you put your hands, right? You would have them there for a reason. They're a tool, but you would be highly attuned to that tool. And we just go through it without thinking. Demas, Demas never had to face computerized algorithms designed to put the products you want just one click away. Demas never had to say no to games that are so hard to step away from. Demas was never targeted by pixels that tempted his most primal desires. Demas had no equivalent to Flappy Bird. Anyone remember Flappy Bird? Here's a screenshot of Flappy Bird. I use this as an illustration because I'd never even heard of Flappy Bird before, but they pulled Flappy Bird from the internet and the internet melted that day because everyone was outraged about Flappy Bird is no more. I no longer have access to Flappy Bird. Where is the outrage over what's going on in Congo? I, I haven't even seen news stories lately on what's going on in Congo. Google Congo and see what's going on in Congo. I, I can't remember the last time I saw a headline, front page, 30,000 kids died today because it happens every day of preventable causes. Where's the outrage? Why are we outraged over Flappy Bird? Because something's wrong. Because we've been trapped. Because we've been pulled in. And a love for the world has our, our, our minds and our priorities and, and everything else just whacked. Let me be as clear as I can be. If you're plugged in to the same things that the culture is plugged into, you don't have a chance to finish well. I don't have a chance. Demas was there, front row, front row. He was there with Paul. He was there with Luke. 
if Demas could be pulled away, you don't think you can? We can. Demas never face the same traps we do, but here's the flip side of this. Here's why I'm not telling you to unplug in the sense of, hey, just media's evil, run away from it. Because Luke never had the tools that you have. There's a place to write that in your notes too. Luke never had access to the same tools that we do. It's not just a trap. It's a trap for people to say it's all a trap. These are also tools. And Luke never had access to the same ones that we do. Luke had ink. Luke had a precursor to paper. He didn't have paper. He had a precursor to paper, right? That's it. I, I, we have these tools. Last night, I was, um, I was working on some of these things, and my, my daughter uh, sent me a little, I don't know what it's even called, but like it's a little screenshot kind of thing. She texted me the screenshot kind of thing. And it said this. She said, Dad, I, I know that you're working on a text series, so maybe this would be helpful. And, and the little thing said, God has no phone, but I talk to him. He has no Facebook, but he is still my friend. He does not have a Twitter, but I still follow him. Can God use media? Yes, absolutely. And, and what media do we have in our life that's reminding us that time is short? I say that because I just officiated a funeral not long ago at Fort Snelling Cemetery. And, and here's Fort Snelling Cemetery. How many of you have been there before? Oh, wow. Talk about powerful. We, we, we were in a line to wait because everything's very efficient. It needs to be. They do like 800 funerals a month or something there. And so they had us in a line waiting for our turn to drive out. So I'm sitting, and this is what my view looked like from out all my windows. It looked like this. Talk about a powerful reflection. What do you have in your life? It, can you, are you, is there any media that's reminding you that our time is short, but eternity is really, really, really long? And are you using some of these tools not just to remind you of that, but to, but to share that with others? And do you have feeds coming in that remind you that there are billions of people who could use your help right now while you're still able to give it before you're there and you really can't help anything except the grass grow, right? And even then you're sealed in a box and you're not even fertilizing the ground anymore, right? So you know what I'm saying? What, what do you, that wasn't in my notes, by the way, I'm sorry. You know, but it's the truth, isn't it? Isn't it the truth, right? We can't take this stuff with us. What's reminding us of this? And are we using the tools at our disposal to make a difference now while we still can? Last Sunday, I had an opportunity to worship in Juarez. So I'm sitting there, and, and, and the wall is right here. And it was really neat. On the wall, if you can go to the next picture, the wall, they have this big tree. And on this big tree are all these pictures of people who sponsor, kids at the home, friends of the home. And I, I'm just focusing on what's in, up ahead of me, but, you know, the, the stuff going on in the front. And, and I think it was Emma just said, hey, look over to your left. Do you recognize those people? And, and I took a shot here. There's Dave and Donna. They used to go to the 9 o'clock service. Many of you know them. There's Jordan and Heidi. You know, you can use media to send pictures, you know, to, to, to connect across miles and miles and miles to encourage people and, and all this. We can use tools to share photos, to share stories. The, the children's home, I encourage you to get signed up for their newsletter. You can hear the stories, the electronic newsletter. Just write in your connection card, you know, sign me up for the Manhattan Children's Home newsletter, put it in one of those mailboxes, and we'll get you on the newsletter, and you can hear the stories of what's happening at the home. You know, we can use these tools. There are tools that can bring us together as families, tools to help us live healthier, more productive lives, tools to help us grow in our faith. We have an, we have an invitation from God himself when it comes to this. And, and it's found in many places. Here's the place you often hear um, when we talk about media and churches. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. 
it says this. Therefore, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, as good, perfect, and pleasing will. We got an invitation from God. Are you just going to be conformed? Are you just going to listen and watch what everyone else does? Or do you want to be transformed by the renewing of your mind? So what I'd love for us to do the next four weeks is to just hit pause. And again, we're not going to rip on anyone this or that. But can we just be honest and just be reflective? Does our media use look the same as those around us? Or does it look very, very different? Are we plugged into any sources that leave us wanting more and more and more instead of being more content with what we have? Because there are sources out there that can help you become more content with what you already have. Are you plugged into any sources that are just devoting too much time away from things that matter most and people that matter most? Do you need to maybe unplug totally from that? Are we plugged into any sources that make wrong things look right? Are our media choices increasing our love for the world or... Are you plugging into resources that can draw you closer to the people that matter most? Are you drawing from resources that can remind you that this world in its present form is passing away? The gadgets are going to rust and break and all that kind of stuff. Packing lists are going to change. Resources that, that help us. Are you plugged into resources that help you become, again, more content with what you have? Resources that God is using to transform you and that you're using with the help of God to transform our world. The passage that we've got here on the screen, it begins with what word? Therefore. And I, I think it was a Bible teacher once that said, hey, when you see therefore, you should ask what it's there for. And this therefore comes after 11 chapters of Paul making his case to say what God does, he does out of his love for us. What God says no to it's for our own good. What God says yes to, it's for our own good. And as we bring today to a close, would, would you trust him with that? Would you respond to his invitation to not just be conformed to the patterns of this world, but to receive his invitation to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, transformed not just in your consumption habits, but transformed even in how you're using these tools for him. The last thing I'd encourage you to write, yeah, is right there on the screens. God invites us to walk the path that leads to transformation instead of conformation. So we want to give you an opportunity to respond even today. We don't have to wait till the end of the series. We'd encourage you to, to consider coming forward for communion here in just a minute or two. In fact, I'd like our communion service if they would get into place at the two side tables. Um, what we're going to do is when we, when we're going to pray together. And one of the reasons we do that is so you're going to hear people next to you praying these same prayers because we all got our stuff, don't we? We all got our stuff. There's not a person in this room, I can tell you right now, without even knowing all of you, that you've got your media all figured out, and, you know, and there's nothing that you should delete or nothing you should get rid of or, or nothing you should rethink. We all have that. So let's pray together, whether it's that or something else, you know, that, that we can just come together and say, God, right now where we're at is not 
where we could be if we trusted you with more and more of our life. So we'll, we'll pray together. And then instead of an usher telling you to come forward, we'd rather have it be a deliberate decision on your part. So there won't be any ushers call, having you come forward if you'd like to receive the sacrament of communion today. Just stand up, come down the center aisle when we're done praying at any time during the next couple songs and, uh, and, and receive the communion that way. All right, well, let's prepare our hearts and minds together. Here's the event that we commemorate. In, in case you're not familiar with communion, we commemorate this event. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. All right, I invite you to please join with me in these prayers. Heavenly Father, to whom all hearts and minds are open and all desires are known, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may more perfectly love you and more worthily magnify your holy name. We confess that we are sinners and cannot save ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. We are not worthy for these gifts which we are about to receive, but say the word and we will be made clean. Let me pray for this time. God. We pray now, as we've spoken out these words corporately, that you'll now personalize this for every one of us. What media should we consume differently? Either just not as much or not at all. Bring it to mind, God, very specifically. Lord, what things should we be talking to our friends about or our families about, our loved ones about? Are there any things that, that we have left undone, conversations that we haven't said? God, what opportunities that are out there would you have us to seize? What things would you have us to send and how to others? So, Father, we pray that you, you, you take these prayers now that, that we've prayed in a general sense and personalize them. And then, Lord, we pray that your spirit will draw us forward draw us to you. Help us to leave behind, and I encourage you to picture this in your head, leaving behind, literally leaving behind everything that is not of God, the stuff he would have you leave behind, and to come forward to this new life. Lord, paint a picture of that. I pray you even give images in people's heads, very specific ones of what life could be like if we lived it the way you invite us to live it. Do that, Father. Consecrate these elements. Make them for us, your body and blood, Father. And now we join together. Before we join together in song, we, we join together and we, we pray a prayer that uh, your son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever.
responded to God's invitation today, I can declare to you on the authority of God's word that your sins are forgiven. You got an opportunity to leave this place with a fresh start. My encouragement to you would be to walk the steps that God's put before you. If we can help with that, let us know. I'm, I'm going to be out of town, but talk to Jennifer. She can connect you with all kinds of resources, different people and different programs and things like that that can help. Um, if something came to mind today, I would encourage you to act on it right away. If there was something that you should delete or toss or a conversation that you should have, please do that right away before it gets put off indefinitely. All right, let me pray for you as we go forward. God, thank you that you invite us into a life of freedom and in a life where there aren't chains. And Lord, I pray that everyone in this room feels lighter today, even if they're wrestling with some heavy chains. But they feel lighter knowing that their sins are forgiven and that you want to help and that there's people that want to help and that there is hope. So help us to go forth from that hope, God, and to look at media differently. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week.